Welcome to Markitecture, where you can get smart fast with in-depth interviews of leading technology vendors. I'm Ari Paparo. I'm here with James Avery from Kevil. Sorry, I butchered your name a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> James, welcome to Markitecture. No worries. Thanks for having me. So let's start with the basics. What is Kevil? Yeah, so I guess the best way to describe it is to talk a little bit about kind of our, our vision. So to redirect your question a little bit, we look at the advertising landscape and say, who really makes money in advertising, right? And it's like Google, Facebook, maybe you throw in like Snapchat, uh, Amazon. And what they've all done is build their own ad platform, right? Like they've, they've got engineers, they've built out the, the best way to buy advertising on Google or the best way to buy advertising on Facebook. And so we looked at the market and said, shouldn't more companies be doing this? Right. As opposed to saying, you know, we're just going to throw some exchanges or SSPs or pre-bid on our site and hope for the best, you know, shouldn't they take control and build their own ad platform? So why don't they do that? Well, because it takes a lot of engineering, right? And it takes a lot of really smart engineers to build very highly scalable, you know, optimization algorithms, everything. So what we said was, well, can we build a set of APIs that our customers can go use to build their own ad platform? and to really benefit from online advertising, right? To really build something that they can make meaningful revenue with. So Kevl in short is a set of APIs that our customers use to build their own ad platform, to really you know, build a great user first, privacy first ad platform for their customers. Great, so we'll go into a lot more depth on the product in a moment, but effectively, is it fair to say you're a walled garden in a, in a box? Yes. I mean, you know, walled garden, right, is always a term. We've kind of embraced it, right? We've said, how do we help launch a thousand walled gardens? But that doesn't mean it has to have all the negative things that come with a walled garden. But <laughs> right, I agree, sure. walled garden in a box is a, is a great way to think of us. So let's talk product. You describe yourself as a bunch of APIs. Is it fair to say that you're in the publisher ad server category? Yeah, I mean, I think that it depends how you define like publisher, right? Right. You know, for us, a lot of times when we're talking to people kind of more in the traditional like ad tech space, you know, they think, you know, publishers are Condé Nast and New York Times or USA Today. Uh, whereas we tend to work with with people who, yes, they're, you know, on the publisher side of the equation, but they don't, you know, really self-identify as publishers, right? right? A lot of times they're, you know, like we work with like Yelp or Ticketmaster and, and Edmonds, right? And like, those are all publishers in that sense, but they're not, you know, not a publisher in the kind of traditional sense of the word. Okay, so, so you start with having an audience, though. I mean, whether you use the publisher word or not, you have an audience. You have people interacting with you in various ways, like, like Yelp. And you say to yourself, hey, I want to create an ad experience that I control from end to end. Yes. Right? Yep. Yeah, no, we're def and we're definitely on the, like, sell side, right? Like, we are yeah. wholly focused on the people who have an audience who want to find a way to make money through advertising but also don't want to really degrade the, you know, kind of user experience. Right. So the publisher ad server is probably the, uh, it's like the nuclear submarine of ad tech. It's the most complicated thing out there. Although DSPs are probably a close second. So it would probably take forever for us to enumerate all the features that you have, but it would probably be very helpful to go through kind of the major differentiated features that you've built and why they're different from a typical ad server. I'm thinking like creative management, forecasting, you know, yield management. Why don't you just start running through kind of like your elevator pitch on those things and why you're better? Yeah, absolutely. So, so you're right. Like there's the, there's kind of just the table stakes of a publisher ad server, right? Everything from frequency capping to pacing to 
bidding, targeting, keywords, key value pairs, all of that stuff, right? So we, we do all of that. But I think what differentiates us is, is kind of a handful of things, which one is our kind of API approach. So today, like most publisher ad servers are still focused on putting JavaScript on the page, right? And getting data from that, doing, you know, cookie syncs automatically. Uh, you know, our approach is getting more people to move server to server, so to kind of think of an ad server and say, what if, you know, if we have zero context from the page and everything has to be provided through the API, we kind of, we support that completely. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of step one where most ad servers don't do that. I'd say the next step is a lot of features we have around targeting, right? So one, we have the ability for customers to really import first party data and target on that first party data. Right. And so that's, and that's without, you know, uploading it to some third party provider. You don't have to send it through, you know, some like, you know, live ramp or whatever like that. It's like you actually are pushing it just to us uh, and then targeting those segments for your advertisers. And then I think we, we've built some things. Uh, there's a feature we have called Ad Query, which I think is really interesting, which is built for marketplaces. So if you're on a marketplace today, and you know, let's say it's a car marketplace, and you say, I'm looking for a car that has 50 to 100,000 miles. Right. A lot of times today, how that's solved in current ad servers is passing like some different keywords. Right. And so so saying like, OK, like I'll pass the 50,000 keyword and the 100,000 keyword. And then maybe yeah. there's some weird logic in the in the flight. So we built a system to say, well, like why, you know, you should be able to just query for the ads that you want to show. And so you can actually say, like, I want I'm looking for a car that has, you know, miles greater than 50,000 and less than 100,000. And then it ties into our creative templating system. So when they actually go create the creative for that car, they can they can create their own properties. So they can put in the actual mileage of the car as a property. And then we query that in the request to make sure that only ads coming back are the ones that, you know, have a mileage in that range. Right. And so right. things so like that. A typical ad server, like I just repeat what you said, the ad server has very extensive key value capabilities, but they're just strings, and you don't you don't treat them as first class objects. And in your system, you're saying that you can have your own taxonomy of what data is meaningful to your to your advertising system. Yeah, exactly, um, and especially when it's tied to the like ad or creative, right? Because mm -hmm. even with key value pairs in a traditional ad server, you can set things on a, a given flight. But, you know, or a line item, but that line item might have 10 creatives. Right. Right. And so then it might be, you know, a dealership that wants to post 50 cars and say, you know, I'm willing to spend $100 a day promoting these 50 cars. And so you actually need to have that data down at the actual creative level. So on forecasting, I think I made a joke on Twitter a while back that it never works, basically. The joke was funnier than that, but that's basically the bottom line. <laughs> so you, you're saying you do a simulation. Do you have a sort of a isolated simulation for each customer? Because in your world, every customer is a snowflake, just totally different. Yeah, so I'll tell you, so we've had, for a long time, we've had forecasting that probably is be accurate to be included in your Twitter joke. Mm -hmm. And that it, you know, kind of works, but doesn't fully work. But we've been we've been working for about the last nine months on a new forecasting system that does that simulation and basically, uh, you know, does a sampling of that publisher's traffic, mm -hmm. does a simulation of you know pushing that out into the future, and then we can basically, you know, you're almost like run rep running reporting on the future, right? And what we had to do was kind of rebuild a lot of the logic of the ad serving engine in the forecasting engine, right? Right to support being able to like really forecast it. So I think we are close to solving that problem. 
but it's definitely on a per customer basis, yeah. right? Like we and, have to uh, take each customer and forecast them out. One of the big challenges in forecasting is very small advertisers. And it sounds like your system probably has a lot of very small advertisers. Is that an issue or is there some way that you handle that? Yeah, it's, uh, so far that hasn't, that hasn't been too much of an issue. We definitely had to build that in for the beginning as we we're yeah. building this system is to say, you know, it's easy to forecast 100 advertisers. It's a lot harder to forecast 10,000 advertisers. Yes. And so we had to, you know, we had to figure that out for the beginning while kind of architecting the system. Yeah. The other rule of forecasting, besides that it's always bad, is that engineers always think it's easy until they actually work on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's like, definitely one of the harder. I mean, it's one of the harder problems out there, right? Like there's a reason is. there's there's only a handful of companies that I think have done it right. So we've been talking a lot about the tech and the product. Let's switch to the use cases. You know, on your website, you highlight things like digital out of home, retail media, email. It's sort of a stuff that's hard to do with a, with a traditional ad server list. Um, you know, yep. I remember when I was at DoubleClick 15 years ago, they, they sometimes joked I was the VP of random ad tech ideas because uh, <laughs> that's the sort of thing I had to deal with. So maybe take me through like a digital out of home example. To start, yeah. So, like a great example is a company called TouchTunes, right? Which you know, if you've been to a you know a Waffle House down here or a bar somewhere, they have a, a digital jukebox, right? And and they they serve ads onto that digital jukebox from you know through digital out of home pipes. They came to us and kind of said, "Hey, we've got this really interesting use case, right? To speak to your you know VP of interesting uh, ad tech ideas, right? It's like we have we have these devices all over the country." They phone home a certain amount of times a day, right? Like there's, you know, all these kind of constraints. And with an API solution, they could just go and build that, right? Like that's one of the things I love about, you know, having a set of APIs is that we don't, you know, we don't go and build custom things for these customers. Like they can go and and kind of innovate and build that on their own. Right. So are they serving audio ads? They serve, uh, I think it's mostly video because uh -huh. they have that screen Right, and so they're they're kind of serving digital out of home video in those locations, and they're prefetching them because of limited connectivity. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. That sounds like a great use case. I think I once served ads onto an airplane that way, but it was not as easy. As I think we've I think we've talked to those people. One day, one day we'll serve ads on an airplane. I can <laughs> say day. we we've served ads into a car. So there's a company we work with that that does kind of some of the software that's in the car, right? And so when right. you open up the nav and you're you know you say I need a gas station they can kind of put the shell logo on the map, right? Got it, got it. Uh, and that was another case where we, you know, they just called the API and, you know, it's kind of limited connectivity over 3G or something like that, you know, to like figure out how to make it work. And what about email? Email is really hard to serve an added to, isn't it? Yeah, email is an increasingly frustrating place to serve ads. But, you know, we work with one of our customers, Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, they send a lot of email mm -hmm. and they use our kind of ad serving tech to, to bring that, to bring ads into it, right? But yeah, there's a lot of technical constraints, right? Because you can't run JavaScript, you can't you can't do a lot of the normal things. But we have we actually have specific kind of ad serving code that works in email. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of brings up the next question I have, which is, tell me about how the technical sophistication of your customers and what sort of teams they bring to bear to Im implement your solution into their various use cases. Yeah, I would say, I mean, one of the things that we look for, right, is we look for teams that want to build something. So normally there is a team of, you know, a handful of engineers who are building on top of our APIs, right? So if a, if a company is kind of looking at it as, 
you know, we just want a, a check every month or we want to, you know, make one little small config change to our website to, to get money. Like we're definitely not the solution for that. And I think our approach has been like, you don't need 20 engineers, but you need a couple good engineers and they can build a lot on our APIs to launch something. Can you do anything quickly on your system? Like, is there any any solution where it is kind of dumb and easy, or is it always APIs and always engineering? I mean, I, you can definitely use us in in dumb and easy ways, but we find that when people are looking for that, like they're going to just end up on on right. GAM, right? Totally. Like because they can they can just use go use GAM and and get a check every month. All right, let's do a lightning round. So okay. I'm going to ask you. Uh, a number of questions where we're looking for very brief answers. So first okay. thing off the top of your head, and we'll see how it goes, right? All right. Um, what's the one competitive uh, advantage you have versus other solutions? I think we're user-focused. User-focused. I'm going to have to follow up, even though it's lightning round. <laughs> what do you mean? What does that mean? Well, I mean, like, that really, we, we, we think about what our customers want, but we also try to build the tools and the functionality that helps them focus on their users. The right? end so users, like, okay. through the, the end user, right? Like, what's a good experience for you, the end user coming to this app and seeing an ad? Right. And that's very similar to the way the Walled Gardens at least talk about it. You know, Google, right. Larry and Sergey used to always say, like, ads are content, ads are information. Yep. Um, Right. Yeah, and I think in, in most of ad tech, right, like the users are just kind of faceless uh, RTB requests. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> next question. Uh, why won't the walled gardens like Google and Facebook crush you? Uh, I think because they do not want to go and build the tools for other people to compete with them. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. Where do you see your company in five years? Uh, I think we'll continue to scale and, and uh, hopefully go public. All right. What's your biggest product or market challenge? I think the the biggest challenge would be really building something that works across all these different use cases of the ways people use us. What's the number one reason customers don't use your product? I think usually lack of developer resources. Makes sense. Uh, last question. If your company was an animal, what animal would it be? What animal would it be? It's um, a good question. How about a, a duckbill platypus? Because people aren't really sure exactly what we are, but they always try to put us into a box. Duckbilled platypus. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much, James, for coming on to Marketecture. It was a really interesting conversation. I hope our audience will enjoy it. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. To hear the complete interview, subscribe at marketecture.tv. Marketecture.tv.